Welcome to Montessori Moment. I am your host, Liz Strong. This time, I have something a little different for you. A couple weeks, I attended a Montessori Northwest workshop entitled No More Boredom, Engaging Older Children in Authentic Work, um, presented by AMI trainer Jenny Sackett. There were many members of the Montessori community there, including my friend and co-worker Kyoko Uchida, who is a toddler teacher at one of our San Francisco campuses. I think this workshop was particularly exciting for Kyoko and me because we both attended, we did our training at Montessori Northwest, and um, it's really nice to get an opportunity to kind of uh, reconnect and kind of recenter yourself with your purpose and your goals uh, as a teacher and as a Montessorian. And so after the workshop, Kyoko and I were able to have a conversation about the workshop and about what we took away from it and what was really meaningful to us. And I'm going to share that conversation with you now. Hi, Kyoko. Hi, Liz. I'm so excited that we get to talk because I don't get to see you very much anymore. I know. It's so lovely to see you again. (laughs) And I think it was really exciting to go to the workshop with you. Mm, I love Ginny so much. I know. She's amazing. I was half surprised to see you there because you're a toddler teacher, but also half not surprised to see you there because you are very dedicated to your work. (laughs) Thank you. But the topic was yeah. about five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it what you expected? Yes, but at the same time, I have a lot of children. In, um, my toddler program has only two and three years old. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of children who are ready to move up, but because of the space issue or just because of so many reasons, they're not moving up yet. So I know Jeannie's going to talk something about that too. So so it's similar to, in some ways similar to the kindergartners who are starting to get ready for their next kind of phase of development and show new developmental needs but are not ready to move on yet. Yes. Yeah. So I really, I think one of the things that Jenny said in our tr- when we trained with her but that comes back to me and she talked a lot about during the workshop was riding the horse in the direction that it's going, Mm -hmm. which is something I think it's really hard to do. Yes. (laughs) It's really easy to say, but putting the practice is really difficult, but it's really, it's so great to hear that and get the reminder from Ginny. Yeah. And I think it's hard to, I think one of the wonderful things about listening to Ginny's talks and other really experienced Montessorians' talks is that they won't tell you, mm-hmm. do this, do that, or they won't say, oh, in this one uh, example, I this happened and I did that. They're really focused on the philosophy. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about the philosophy enough, then you know mm-hmm. what to do. But I think ride the horse in the direction that it's going is not like super obvious what to do. True. Yeah. You really need to think deep. And you need to think about what you are doing, too, and how you perceive the situation. Yeah. Yeah, it really made me think what's happening in my classroom and how I'm reacting to the children's behaviors instead of what the child is doing. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different level. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean for, Mm -hmm. like, for your toddlers? Like, when you see them ready Mm -hmm. to maybe go to primary and you're mm-hmm. trying to ride the horse in the direction that it's going, what 
What does that mean for you? So it was really interesting. Ginny mentioned about those five years old stopped doing their work and started start chatting. And they wander. Yes, just <laughs> yeah. observing. And that happens in my that that happens in my classroom too. Those older ones, they kind of stop using materials mm-hmm. because I don't bring in any primary materials into my toddler environment because that's a big no-no. Mm. Judy told, said no. Chacha said no. All the trainers said no. So I don't have any sensory or, or transparent work in my classroom because mm. it's just not appropriate for mm-hmm. the younger ones to see. But anyway, so those, when the older ones started to just wandering around, I realized they are focusing more on how to be a helpful agent in the classroom so they talk a lot they help younger ones a lot and they have they get such a great pride in showing the role model to the younger ones oh yeah that's when i always see those older children in my classroom to gain their self-confidence and build up their self-esteem and become more vocal and really comfortable about expressing their their needs verbally. And that really prepares themselves to become, uh, um, to go to primary classrooms. Yeah, so when we see these older children and they start maybe um, not working like we would like them to work, um, (laughs) we have to look at them again through a new lens and see what is, what purpose are they Mm -hmm. feeling? What need are they showing us yes you know we we, like we have the child the older child in Mm -hmm. primary or in toddler who like maybe has a material out and is not Mm -hmm. doing it or is not like purposely engaged or maybe not like a super appropriate material Mm -hmm. and they're showing us that they're having this other need Mm -hmm. instead of pushing them back towards a material Mm -hmm. trying to connect them to something they can do that will meet the need that they're having yes um it was really interesting she mentioned about how we tend to focus on what um, to make children do work, make sure children are working with focus and they need to be concentrated. So like we tend to intervene their own pace of their work mm-hmm. by like, are you focused? Focus. Yeah. Kind of like, you need to be doing work now. You right. can do this many works mm-hmm. and then you can socialize. But what they're showing us maybe is a need to socialize or mm-hmm. a developmental interest mm-hmm. in something else. Yes. And I think it gets, is really hard for teachers. And I assume it's, and talking to parents, it seems like it's very difficult for them as well to mm-hmm. really understand in a consistent way what work is mm-hmm. and that it's, joyful engagement in mm-hmm. something that you're having a developmental need for. And right. so if your developmental need is to like the five-year-old mm-hmm. who's um, showing or, ha- you know, showing that they have a need for mm-hmm. social engagement yes. for organizing social um, interactions or groups, right. that that is their work. Mm-hmm. Because when they become six years old, they will start work as, more for um, work with the group instead of, you know, parallel work or parallel play, what they mm-hmm. I remember Ginny mentioned about what we need to remind, we need to think what's the developmental rationale when mm-hmm. we do something, when, when we teach something to children. 
And I understand as a teacher, it is difficult to tell parents, oh, your child has been observing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Because that kind of sounds like, oh, your child has done nothing today. <laughs> exactly. It is really difficult to see because we want to make sure the parents know that the child is working on something really hard. But、um, when we look at so when we look at it superficially, if the child is just watching or just socializing, We tend to think, oh, the child hasn't done anything. What, where's the math? Where's the writing? Where's the,、mm-hmm. you know, all the other Montessori materials? But when we think about it, grace and courtesy and spoken language, it's such a big part, especially for the primary children. Oh, yeah, because they're not just creating a person that can read and write, they're、mm-hmm. creating a whole person.、Mm-hmm. Part of being a whole person is. Being able to be pro social and being able to function in a community,、mm-hmm. and that doesn't just happen.、No. And another part she mentioned was about you know how we, we lose a lot of opportunity to talk nowadays because all of us, I'm not saying only parents, but everybody is so busy.、Mm-hmm. They, they, most of the parents have, most of the adults, they have to take. Work home, so they are constantly checking phone, or they have to be they have to be writing email back and forth, even after they go home. So the children children lose a lot of you know human to human conversation nowadays.、Mm-hmm. That really, oh no, that really shows when I was working with elementary students, they don't know how to talk. They don't have first of all, they don't have Much lesson about grace and courtesy. They don't know how to make a phone call. They don't know how to answer phone calls, or they don't know how to say. I mean, they don't know how to purchase at the grocery stores and such because they haven't seen parents doing that very much. Now we can just go to a website and click and buy things too. So we don't see those things either. And even when children are hearing a conversation, like if they're in the car, or they're with a parent, or you know whomever,、mm-hmm. they. A lot of times that conversation is happening on a cell phone.、Mm-hmm. And so they only hear one half of the conversation. And what that tells them、mm-hmm. is a conversation is just me talking. Right. They Or, don't see the whole. Yeah. yeah. They don't see the back and forth and the questions and the follow up and the, and so they don't understand,、mm-hmm. um, what a kind of natural conversation looks like. And then it's even harder for them to replicate it.、Mm-hmm. And then, then this, just like you were saying, translates to all kinds of things like they don't go to the bank anymore. They don't see their parents make change. They have maybe never seen money.、Mm-hmm. They,、um, the world around them has changed, but they are really missing out on the spoken language of it. That's true. So、yeah. it's really important that, especially five years old, they're talking and chatting all day. They should be doing that. Yeah. yeah. We shouldn't be stopping. Yeah, because what did she say? She said、um, something like, oh, you know, they have spent the first several years of their life developing these language skills so that they can speak. <laughs> and of course, they want to do it all the time because they've just learned how to do it and they're practicing. And now that they have the kind of muscle control, et cetera,、mm-hmm. to do it、right. and the cognitive understanding to do it, they're. Working everything else out and、mm-hmm. developing their vocabularies. And it's this huge thing that seems that we discount, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. So that's why we need to change our, we need to shift our paradigm, I think. Yeah. We need to pivot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think she was talking to you about how we 
follow, we really want mm-hmm. to think about this linear kind of model mm-hmm. that, um, is very comfortable for adults, mm-hmm. but doesn't actually reflect childhood mm-hmm. because we want to be able to say, like you and I were just talking, we want to be able to say, if I do A, B, and C, mm-hmm. then D will happen. Yes. <laughs> but it's not really that way. No. And instead, she said, um, think about A, B, C, then you'll know what to do for D. Yeah. So I think that was really beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And it's mm-hmm. frustrating because it's not straightforward. And the adult <laughs> wants you to just tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And when you're working with children, and maybe even most of the time, that doesn't really exist. You have to yeah. learn how to think mm-hmm. about it and then try things until something works. Right. I think that's a beauty of um, our work as a Montessori too. that we need to be creative all the time. I and mean, our creativity is always challenged. Yes. And, but that's why many teachers love what we are, what they are doing and we love what we do. It's not like you have to follow. The, of course, you need to follow the album. That's where you learn. That's where all the basics, right? Mm-hmm. But you need to keep the, you need to keep the philosophies and all the basics. Then, Use your creativity how to approach each child's situations because each child is different. We cannot, um, well, actually, Montessori never says you need to do this. Mm-hmm. She always tells us you need to think this. Yes, <laughs> this is the nature of the children. This is the you know, universality of human being. So, what you do, you know, she never tell us, she never told us, or any trainers too, they never told us what to do. We tend to think, oh, Judy said we need to do this, or Dr. Duboboy said this, or Patty said this, but it's not really true. They tell us the nature, mm-hmm. and we need to build up from there. So, Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's very challenging about mm-hmm. teaching, and is, but is also one of the greatest gifts for teachers, mm-hmm. is that you have to constantly be self-evaluating mm-hmm. and looking inwards and thinking critically about what you're doing and Mm -hmm. why you're doing it and if you're making choices for your own convenience or if you're making choices because they're actually um meeting the needs of the child Mm -hmm. um and it's it's very tiring because it's constant Mm -hmm. you know what worked yesterday may not work today what worked two seconds ago may no longer work all of a sudden and so Mm -hmm. you it's like you get all of the rules and all of the well, rules, you know, but the guidelines and the history and the philosophy, and then mm-hmm. you have to embody it. And that's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> Sometimes we forgot that we chose this path, not because it's easy. Nobody told us <laughs> being Montessori teachers is easy, right? Right. Yes. But then it's so beautiful and you really get to be creative mm-hmm. and, uh, you have to think on your feet, and it's really wonderful. Yes. I think something else she talked about that mm-hmm. was it's so interesting because I feel like it's like, oh, of course, like so obvious, mm-hmm. but um, I hadn't really thought about before mm-hmm. was when she talks about how no six-year-old wakes up on their birthday and is in the next stage of development. <laughs> like That's just like not how that happens. You know, there are moments mm-hmm. when um, they are in the primary stage of development Mm -hmm. 
or the first plane, and then there are stages when they're in the elementary stage of development or the second plane, and they go back and forth, and there's no predicting which day they'll be where or which moment they'll be where. Mm -hmm. And so the teacher has to look at them and observe them and figure out where they are (laughs) and what they can do to support that, because it's going to be different if they're having kind of like a second plane moment. True. Yeah. And is that something that can happen between the toddler program and the primary too. We are still in the first plane of development, but the first half and second half is pretty different, right? Mm-hmm. So we, I, I get, I mean, I'm really fortunate to see that kind of going back and forth, that zigzag development in my classroom because most of them are really old. And that, that can be really challenging, but that's why it's really beautiful. I can see the child one day is like this child, but second, like next day, she might be totally different person. Mm-hmm. And then third day, I was expecting the second day, right? But then she goes back, back to, to the first day. day. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so you really need to learn how to dance with the flow and enjoy dancing with the child development with a good observing skill. Yeah, I think, and it's very difficult for teachers because you're trained in your area of development Mm -hmm. so I as a primary teacher I don't know a lot about the second plane of development Mm -hmm. and it's not always obvious for me to me how to support the child who's having Mm -hmm. a second plane moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and so I think that's why we need it's good for us all the levels that talk to each other and learn Mm -hmm. from each other but each one of us has to just like experiment and try new things Mm -hmm. and just like for you it's I don't know. You work so hard. Maybe it's obvious to you what to do <laughs> no, with a child is having a primary moment. No, what I uh, always, what I try to do is observe different levels and um, different age groups mm-hmm. so that I know what, I, I can see things I don't know. And I, I talk to teachers pers- um, just casually or sometimes I set up a meeting and ask some like big questions. I, another thing I always do is I go observe other schools mm-hmm. and I, Sometimes I get to talk to the head of school who mm-hmm. should, who knows a broad idea of the flow of the children's development, mm-hmm. not just one particular classrooms. I'm a big believer of taking off the boundary between the different age groups. I need to know what the primary teachers are thinking and what they are expecting. And being, I worked in needle years too, mm-hmm. but my, Understanding might be different from what my uh, the current Nido teachers and just for the parents that are listening, when Kyuko is saying Nido, she um, is referring to the infant, infant classroom. So probably anywhere from three months to eighteen months. I heard the young, my youngest child is two and a half months. Oh. Now she's in. Oh my god, she's eight years old right now. Really, your first in, from your first classroom? Yes. Oh, oh from the infant program. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, one of my first students. She was, she was toddler. Well, now she's in uh, junior high. Oh they my are, goodness! Oh no! I, they grow so fast. They do, and they are so much taller than I am. I cannot <laughs> see them anymore. <laughs> well, anyway, so you used to work. You worked previously with infants. Infants. Um, and but now you're working with toddlers. Yes. Yes. And so. then before that, I used um, not as a Montessori teacher, but I was working in the elementary environment too. Mm. So I know what a Montessori elementary program can offer children. So that actually really helped me to understand what I should be doing with one year old and two years old to help them when they become six, seven, or even like ten years old. Yeah. So 
And well, and even for those teachers, mm-hmm. the primary teacher, the elementary teacher, when they get a new child from the previous division, mm-hmm. that child is probably not a hundred percent developmentally in that stage yet. And mm-hmm. so they're going to have moments where they are still a toddler or they're going to have moments where, mm-hmm. you know, the child that just went to elementary, they're going to have moments where they're still in the first plane of development. And so it's important for all the teachers to mm-hmm. talk to each other and yes. learn from each other so that they can support the children because you don't just wake up one day and you're on the next phase of development. <laughs> yes. It's, I, I don't think it's, yeah, I think it's going to be so boring if human beings are like that. Yes. I think those, you know, ambiguity is the beauty too. And that's why we want to learn. That, that really triggers me to want to know what, who the child is and who that child is and where they are and what they want to do and such. Yeah. And, and I think it really takes a village to raise a child. So that's why we as a teachers, we always need to be as a team. Mm-hmm. I think the community building up a positive and supportive community is really important. Mm-hmm. And working with the parents and really yes. being like a team to support each child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was thinking just now about, we were talking about spoken language earlier, mm-hmm. um, and then thinking about um, literacy in the primary classroom. And mm-hmm. um, Jenny was talking a little bit about um, you don't just all of a sudden become a creative writer. There's this mm-hmm. long process that starts... Mm-hmm you know, it starts at birth, mm-hmm. but that um, we're supporting in our infant classrooms and in our toddler classrooms and our primary classrooms where we're preparing each part of the child for literacy indirectly, but that, you know, for parents who are concerned, oh, I want my child to read, oh, I want my child to write, mm-hmm. um, you said that they observed all day, it looks like they were just talking with their friends, like, mm-hmm. how are they ever going to read or write? Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking about, well, they have to have something to write about. Exactly. <laughs> and they, they have, have something they want to, they like. Without interest, you cannot elaborate it, right? So. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Um, but that they need to have something to write and the organization mm-hmm. um, in their mind to construct the story itself. Um, and she talked about the question game Mm -hmm. Uh, do you do that in toddler we do yeah all the time (laughs) i think it's so wonderful and i think um it sometimes gets forgotten about a little Mm -hmm. bit but that it's a really helpful tool for children and Mm -hmm. it's something that parents can do with them too um that i think is just such a valuable tool um so, should we, do you want to demo a question game with me? So, but, but before parents? that, can I? Yeah. Can you oh, yeah, like, yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned about the you know creative writing styles at the birth, or maybe even before that, because what we do as a toddler teacher or infant program teachers, everything we do is uh, indirect preparation. So sometimes parents are a little worried that we don't do like writing with two years old. Yes. But we don't do writing, but we have a lot of more activities and fine motor um, coordination materials for the children to have to eventually have this pencil grip so that when they want when they're ready to write they can write letters mm-hmm. and, and in the to- um, other spoken language too we do a lot of sound games and songs and talks and 
we possibly encourage children to verbalize or articulate a lot of sounds, even with the infants. I let them bubble a lot and yeah. scream if they need to yeah. and sing a lot so that they can feel, um, comfortably use their oral articulators. Mm-hmm. We have to prepare the hand and the eye and the mind. Mm-hmm. And then when they finally get to literacy, mm-hmm. it's not... They have all the tools and all they have to do is put them together. Mm-hmm. They don't have to... You know, they've been preparing for so long mm-hmm. that all they have to do is this one new thing at a time, not a million new things that mm-hmm. are all very difficult. Yes. Yeah. And you yeah. asked me to demonstrate a question. Yes. So do you want to yes. ask the questions or um, answer the questions? Sure. I mean, you know, it's always like so informal. Yeah. So I never think it as like, okay, now it's a lesson. Now it's time to do the question game. <laughs> But I think um, mm-hmm. for parents, this is, or mm-hmm. even new teachers, I think mm-hmm. it's deceivingly simple, but mm-hmm. it's actually very meaningful. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll yeah. answer first. Okay, you answer first. Okay, so let me see. Um, I'm going to do a question game with Kyoko about, hmm, about, maybe about how you get to work in the morning. So I'll ask mm-hmm. you, Kyoko, how did you get to school today? I took a train and a bike. You took a train and you took a bike to school. Which one did you take first? I took train first. You took the train first. What color was the train you took? That was blue and gray. Blue and gray. What color is your bike? My bike has White and green. White and green. How were you on the train for a long time or a short time? It was a long time. It was a long time. Were you on your bike for a long time or a short time? Mm, it was a short time. A short time. So this morning, to get to work, you rode on a gray and blue train for a long time, and then you rode your white and green bicycle the rest of the way, but only a short way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that seemed very simple, um, and I kind of chose which questions you would uh, I would ask you, and I had to eventually stop because I would not remember all of your answers. <laughs> but um, that I ask you questions to get details about something mm-hmm. simple, and so how you got to work today was actually kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but with a child, I would maybe choose something more simple. But mm-hmm. um, to pull all the details out and then give them back to you as you gave them to me, but in the form of a story. Mm. Um, yeah. When we do in, with our toddlers, we do so much shorter. Yeah. But color is always a good grip for the children's attention because when they talk about, like, now it's raining, I mean, it's raining today, so they all talk about their rain boots and rain jackets. Oh, so, that's very exciting. And an umbrella that they don't bring in to, um, bring them to school because it can be a little bit too much for them to yeah. carry around. But they love to talk about all the rain years. So when they talk about it, I mean, their um, spoken language vocabularies are still limited, but they are so eager to tell us so many things. Yes. So it's usually start with boots, boots. So, oh, you have boots? And we ask, so where do you have boots? We always on ask them feet. feet. <laughs> what they say, home, oh. mommy, mommy boots, home, or mommy bought rain boots, oh. and then you elaborate from there. 
So like, oh, I, I, I see that your mommy bought you a new rain boots. And are they at home? And like, yeah, my rain boots are home. And what color are they? Like blue? We have blue rain boots. And those are new. And your mommy bought, bought them for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, my, my mommy bought my blue rain boots. And they are at home. Sometimes they can put them all together. Sometimes not, mm-hmm. but there's no. It, this is not testing or anything. Yeah. So it's, it's showing them that they have stories to tell, yes. and giving them the opportunity to tell you about what they're excited about mm-hmm. because they might not know how to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all those com- all these conversations should be directly related to the child, and then should be something the child is really interested in. You don't want to bring it. Okay, now we are going to talk about lion. Tell me about lion. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> what? I don't. I'm not interested. Yeah, I think the question again for primary children, mm-hmm. maybe toddlers, but primary children too, is really mm-hmm. helpful when there's something going on, mm-hmm. um, and and you're not sure as a teacher how to handle it necessarily, mm-hmm. um, or how to talk to them about it. Um, and it's a really good tool to give them the opportunity to talk about it and get it out mm-hmm. because if you don't they're just they won't be able to move past it until mm-hmm. you talk about it but you also keep it appropriate because you're focusing on what they know about it so exactly. like mm-hmm. for instance children as primary children and I'm sure toddlers too maybe weren't super deep like detailed aware mm-hmm. of what happened in this past election but mm-hmm. they knew something happened Right. Because people were angry, happy, lots of feelings. Mm-hmm. They, even if we had tried to shelter them um, and not expose them to, you know, the news and et cetera, it's everywhere and mm-hmm. they know something's going on. Mm-hmm. And so you can start simply if they're bringing it up or, you know, they're saying mommy's really worried or mm-hmm. ex- whatever they may be saying, you can. And that's, that's a very challenging thing as a teacher to know, what do I tell them about this? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can just ask them, oh, what is your mommy worried about? Mm-hmm. Oh, and get all of the details from them and then mm-hmm. present it back to them in the story. And that is mm-hmm. helps them process it and organize their thoughts and then be able to move on. Yes. Yeah. And there's no need to add on any information or emotion that you have about that. Yeah. Story either. Yeah. Well, and if the pri the primary child, if they want to know, they'll ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? <laughs> what, what do you think? But I. They, but but they probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's really factual. It's really interesting to mention you mentioned that because we when we talk about this like elaborate elaborating the stories mm-hmm. or you know spoken language, many parents ask us about the fantasy. Oh, yeah. In superheroes and characters from TV program. Or even those students who don't watch TVs, there are so many signs on the street. It gets in there somehow. It gets everything, yes. They get somewhere. So how we can do that? And Jeannie had a really good talk about that too when she did the class management. But we don't want to deny what the child is bringing into you, to your environment or, you know, what the child is what what the child has because when the child for example when the child is talking about Spider-Man it's part of his characteristics already it's part of his personality when you say oh we don't talk about it 
And you've lost the child. You lost the child. And mm-hmm. you are just denying a part of the child. And he's so excited about she he wanted to share what he's excited about with you. So you don't want to deny that. You can always accept and acknowledge what the child is so excited about. And if you want to, you can tell him, Oh, remember I have a book we have a book about spiders. Do you want to see this? Maybe you can see some similarities between what you know about about the spider mm-hmm. and the spider in this book. Yeah. So, so there are so many ways that we can, this is where we, we need, we as a teachers need to be creative instead of denying what the child is mm-hmm. bringing in from there. And it's a reality mm-hmm. of their life that mm-hmm. Spider-Man is, that's what they it see. exists for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and again, yeah, the question game is a really useful tool to understand what do they think and know about Spider-Man mm-hmm. and you are showing that you're interested in them and their interests and you're connecting over something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can see what parts of Spider-Man are important to that child mm-hmm. and find a creative way to engage that in an appropriate way in the classroom. Like she was talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, like what parts of Spider-Man mm-hmm. are, yes. do you think are like spiders? Where do you think they got this idea? Mm-hmm. Um, and tying it back to the natural world that the child, that is really the child's focus. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? Oh, no, no. She also mentioned about the dragon because it's really Oh big. yeah, the dragon. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there are so many dragons in the real life too. There are so many Komodo dragons or dragonflies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, using it as, you know, then you know one thing the child is interested in and you can tie it to mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Yes. Yeah. And if the child is old, old enough, you can use that subject for the writing or mm-hmm. those areas too. I remember when I was at elementary program as an assistant, but those are the really good tool for children because they are, when they don't want to write anything, they won't mm-hmm. do anything. They yes. just, well, there's no point in just writing mm-hmm. words for busy work that are not meaningful right. to the child. And then if the work is forced, uh, you know, if the child is, uh, the child doesn't have an interesting motivation in that work or the activities, they are not learning mm-hmm. much. So, we, they don't have joyful engagement. Yes, that's yeah. a, that's, <laughs> that's a new word I love. Joyful engagement and interesting motivations. And we, as a teachers, we need to be the bridge between the child's interest into the real world so that they can utilize, I mean, and so that they can keep the drive too. And what I was going to say, oh, and it's um, how to support the spoken language. A lot of toddlers sometimes they got lost between the fantasy and the reality because mm-hmm. they, many children's book nowadays, they are so creative and they can have cows flying mm-hmm. or, you know, a lot of animals wearing clothes and walking on their two feet, mm-hmm. which can be really interesting after six years old who can differentiate between the fantasy and the reality. But many two years old, they started, uh, as they start talking so much, they just couldn't stop talking when they start, right? Mm-hmm. And then parents, sometimes I got a question from parents that they have, they're so concerned. They love the child is, their children are talking, but they just cannot stop where <laughs> that, you know, where the boundary should be, you know. Mm-hmm. He sometimes start, start talking about jumping off the wall because he's too excited about, you know, talking about, 
bird or uh, airplane and such. So where can we stop or how can we support the children's you know, uh, literacy? But so for that part, I think the question game is really important to just going back and check what the child knows about and mm-hmm. feel about things. And give them an outlet for this mm-hmm. excitement that they're feeling and they maybe don't know how to express. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, just like very simply, then when they're older and they are writing and they're starting to learn the parts of speech and grammar, mm-hmm. their writing is so much richer mm-hmm. when they have this experience with the question game because they, you know, it's not just, um, I... I wore a yellow shirt, or I wore a shirt today. It's, I wore a yellow short-sleeved cotton shirt today. Like, <laughs> because they understand that that's an important part of the story. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks, Kyoko, for talking to me during Thank your you. busy day. Oh, no problem. I hope that this is uh, interesting and that um, it helps people that weren't able to attend the workshop mm-hmm. receive some of the benefits of it yes it was lovely (laughs) thank you Liz my pleasure to be here I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as we did and next time on the podcast we will have lower elementary part two I encourage parents to check out the Montessori Northwest website where they can find other workshops and parent nights and parent info nights that they host Remember to subscribe to Montessori Moment on iTunes, where you can also rate and review it, which would help us out and help more people find the podcast. I want to say a special thank you to our current reviewers, Mr. Mello, Alu, and Apple Lights. Um, it's nice to know there's someone out there listening. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please email me at estrong at laporteschools.com.